Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chelsea Hagen. Let's just give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. We just give you all glory and honor, God. We just honor you in this house, God. We just thank you, Jesus, that because of you, because of you, Lord God, that we stand here, Heavenly Father. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, God. Have your way. Have your way in our hearts, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, man, I'll never, ever tire of praising God. Amen. I'll never, ever tire of praising King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Woo! So good. Tony was just saying, what could possibly be better than that? Uh, Nothing. I can't think of anything possibly better than the joy of knowing Jesus. I can't think of it. (laughs) Can't exaggerate his goodness. He's phenomenal. He's amazing. He's amazing. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I'm still rocked from this morning's service. Just God is doing something extraordinary um, in people's hearts. And I know even in my own heart, and I know that revival begins with us. Revival begins personally, and then it begins to pour out and just flood every area, every sector, every, every life, every relationship. But it starts from us connecting with God. Hallelujah. So I just want to, before I get into the word this morning, I just want to um, invite beautiful Marie up to come up. (laughs) I just totally took her by surprise, praise the Lord. (laughs) Now she knows why I'm asking, what service are you going to be at? (laughs) So um, I just, um, Marie has been so faithful and been uh, leading our house fires for a good couple of years. And just such an amazing woman. She has just sown into discipling people and loving people and loving them well. And um, and she is getting married soon. Come on, October. So, um, yeah, we just really wanted to thank you for everything that you've poured out. And um, um, God's got amazing stuff for you in store. Um, And, yeah, we just, we're really grateful for you. And, um, yeah, we love you. And we've got um, we've got Charity and Gabe um, that are going to be Gabe at the back to come forward. They're going to be uh, taking over the house fires, um, which is going to be awesome. Uh, Charity's not here at the moment; she's little one's sick at home. So um, yeah, so if you guys aren't involved in a house fire, that's where we disciple people, and really, you know, you're known by us, and we can be known of you. And um, it's just amazing. I would encourage you get into a house fire. Thanks, guys. Um, yes, I will. I guess. Uh, yeah. So. We're really uh, honored to, to get to do this and to lead this and, and very excited. And we just love what Marie has done and, and to build off of that and continue doing, uh, you know, what she was doing. And uh, very excited. If you're not involved in a house group, I really would encourage you to get involved. It's just such a good way to get to know people, um, to encourage each other throughout the week. Uh, or we do it fortnightly. And some people meet more than fortnightly, like once a week. So just encourage you get to know people, get plugged into community, great way to pray for each other, encourage each other. You really get to hear how people are doing on a weekly basis and, you know, get to know more about their lives. Um, 
outside of just seeing each other on a Sunday. So I'd encourage you, uh, if you can get plugged in, do so. We are, uh, you know, looking to get more leaders and, and more house groups because it's a big church. We got a lot of people and we have, I think, about six or seven home groups. So, you know, most people's houses can't hold more than 15, 20 people. So, so we're looking to expand it, you know, and get, get more people plugged in and involved. So you can see the information desk. They've got information there, everybody's phone numbers that's leading the group. And we would love to see you there. So, yeah. Awesome, man. These guys will do a phenomenal job. They're amazing. Absolutely amazing. Such heart for family and community. It's really, really cool. Thank you, Marie. You're amazing. So excited to see what God's going to do through Marie and Mark. I just, whoo, two will put 10,000 to flight. Come on. Come on. World changes. So exciting. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm still, I really am just so rocked from the first service. You know, it's, it's so good just to let God have his way in our hearts. Just let him in. It's okay to be real and raw with God. I've spent the last two days just tears pouring down my face, just so overwhelmed by the love and the mercy and the grace and compassion of God over my own life. It just rocked in his presence, you know, and so that's what God wants. He wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to bear our heart before him. He wants us to be real. If you're struggling, be real with him. Laugh with him, cry with him, dance with him. He wants relationship. He wants intimacy, not just covenant, not just, oh, cool, I'm going to go to heaven one day, but intimacy while we're here. Friendship, dialogue, you talk, and he talks back. Where we listen and we lay our head on the chest of Jesus and we hear his heartbeat. That's what he's after. So much more than just covenant. It's relationship. It's a walk of love. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. So I'm going to call this message uh, Renewing Our Vows. And um, I want to read out of the story of Ruth. And um, I've just been reading that this week, Ruth, and just getting rocked, man. It's a, it's a, it's a short story in the Bible. It's like four chapters. Uh, I dare you to try and read it without just getting rocked by God. Like I couldn't. I'm just like, oh, wow, God, and that's amazing. And, and just letting the Holy Spirit just download his heart in this, this Bible here. This is a love letter. This is a love letter to us. This is from his heart to our heart. And, you know, I just want to unpack this story. And, um, and, and just, is, is there anyone who hasn't heard the story of Ruth? Just put your hand up. Maybe you haven't read it for a while. That's okay. So I'm going to go through um, just basically of what the story's about. So the story of Ruth starts with famine and tragedy and hardship. Um, it's about a family that was in Bethlehem, but because of the famine, they went to live in Moab. And so the Moabites were um, out of the covenant of God. The Moabites were known as idolatrous people, and they were given over to idols and other gods. Um, that's what they were known for in the Bible. And so the story starts with a few characters. Um, so we've got Elimelech, I can never say his name, who's married to Naomi. They've got two sons. One's Marlon and one's Chilean. So Emelech, Naomi's husband, dies. So the father of the house dies. So her two sons grow up and they get married and they marry two women, both um, women from Moab. So Chilean marries Orpah and Marlon marries Ruth. 
they marry and they dwell there for around 10 years. And then Chilion and Marlon both die and leave Orpah and Ruth widows. So it starts off as a, as a great tragedy, as a great, you know, um, just, you know, it, it starts off as a sad story of famine and hardship. Um, and Naomi hears that God has visited people by giving them bread back in Bethlehem. Funny that Bethlehem actually translates as house of bread. <laughs> Who's the bread of life? Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. And so she prepares to um, leave and go back to her hometown. So, you know, she's gone out. She's coming back with no husband, uh, no sons. Like she's coming back a, a, a widow. You know, she's lost everything. She's gone out from, you know, from God's land and she, she loses everything. And um, so there's nothing there to stay for now. And so she hears that there's bread. They're, they're in a famine. So she um, starts to prepare to go back. And so Naomi begins to release her daughter-in-laws to stay and not to come with her. She knows it's going to be hard for Ruth and Orpah. They're, they're not even in covenant. They're going to be coming in as foreigners, in as immigrants, um, you know, into a country that, that's not theirs. And so she knows how hard that's going to be. So she tries to um, convince them to stay. So Ruth 1.9, she says to them, The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. She kisses them, and they lift up their voice, and they wept. And so I want to just go through. There was a few things that God was showing me, and I just want to pick them out um, about the same responses that they had. And so when Naomi kisses them, and you know she's giving them the option of staying, uh, she tries to convince them not to stay, we note here they both lifted up their voices and they both wept. And they both also say to Naomi and Ruth 1.10, they said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. So there's the same responses, the same, the same heart, crying and weeping. And no, surely we're, we're going to come with you. Right, so then... Um, so then again, she, she's trying to convince them not to. And in Ruth 1.14, they lift up their voice and wept again. So again, they both begin to lift up their voice and they both weep again. But at the end of the scripture, we see even though it appeared they were saying the same thing, they both responded very differently when it came to the crunch, when it came to the action, when it came down to the wire of, hang on a minute, this is going to cost me something here. You know, it's so easy to say to Jesus, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with you, you know. And, and as soon as that cost comes in, oh, oh, hang on, hang on a minute. Oh, actually, no, I don't think I'm going to go there. And it's about, it's about covenant, right? And so it says in the end of the scripture, we see that their hearts were very, very different. So they're saying the same thing. They're weeping, they're crying. But at the end, it says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Okay, so when it came down to the wire of covenant and actually doing what they said they were going to do, there were two completely different responses of their hearts. And we can be like that with God. The reality of it hits. The reality that, hey, it's going to cost me something to follow Jesus. It's going to cost me something to follow him. If I cleave to him, I'm going to have to leave everything to follow him. Hallelujah. 
So Ruth 1.15, she said, Behold, so this is Naomi to Ruth, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Um, <laughs> I love it. She's still trying to convince her to go. Your sister's gone back. You go too. And I love uh, Ruth's response. We see a stunning covenant and loyalty from Ruth. And by the way, that, that word um, Ruth translates as companion and friend. Her name means companion and friend. And she says this stunning statement, Ruth 1.16, and Ruth says to her, entreat me not to leave you or to, to return from following after you. For where thou goest, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where I die, there will I diest and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so unto me and more also, if anything but death part thee and me. And I love that verse. They're the wedding vows that Dan and I had at our wedding. Um, just such stunning covenant and loyalty from her. And so Ruth 1.18, it says, When she saw, when Naomi saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking unto her. And we see, um, so one went back, that, that word actually with Orpah uh, <laughs> translates as stiff-necked. Isn't that interesting? Ruth is friend and companion, and Orpah is stiff-necked who goes back and serves her gods. And isn't that interesting that we get to choose whether we're going to cleave unto Jesus. I'm not leaving you, God. I don't care what comes. I'm not leaving you, God. And where we choose His covenant over familiarity, where we choose Him over comfort, where we choose Him over the known, and we step into the unknown with Jesus. And she's just so beautiful. So she chose covenant, relationship, loyalty over what she knew. She put everything on the line and she did not waver. See, with Orpah, she's like, yes, yes, I'll go, crying and all the right things. But when it came down to the wire, oh, actually, you know what? No, I'm going to, that can be us. That can be us. We've got to choose Jesus over everything. And so they arrive there. So she stops trying to get her to, to stay there and they arrive at the beginning of the barley harvest and Naomi changes her name to Mara because she said, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. You know, and I, I read this tapestry of this story and it wasn't that, um, that the Lord was punishing her. Even though she went outside of the covenant, it wasn't that the Lord was punishing her. When you go outside of the covenant of God, you just don't, you don't have the protection of God anymore. You don't, you don't have that. He still loves you and all those things, but you've just opened yourself wide up. You're out of his protection. You're out of his covering. And so she set her heart to go back to her homeland. And so here begins this tapestry of story where he begins a process of redemption and restoration. She thinks God's punishing me, but God's saying I'm bringing redemption and I'm going to weave a story of restoration in your life. Hallelujah. And so when we come out of the kingdom of darkness and we come into his glorious light, guess what? God in our own lives is weaving a tapestry of redemption and restoration over each one of our lives. Praise you, Jesus. And so um, immediately Ruth begins to glean in the field to support and help Naomi and she, she works hard. Ruth 2.1 says, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of 
Elemenek, I can hardly even say his name, just call him whatever. There we go, he can say that for me as we go. (laughs) And his name was Boaz. And so what a kinsman redeemer does is if someone is widowed, um, that that closest relative uh, marries the widow and takes on that family name and, and takes on the inheritance so their name just doesn't get, you know, petered out somewhere. It, it, it protects um, and defends, um, you know, their, their brother's lot. And so a relative who restores or preserves the full community rights of disadvantaged family members, that's what they did in the day. Um, the three rules for a kinsman redeemer. Number one, must be a near kinsman redeemer. So Boaz, according to Naomi, was the next in line. Two, he must be willing to redeem. Number three, he must be able to redeem. He must be able to pay the debt if there is any and take on that family name. And so Boaz was able to meet all these requirements. And we see the story go on. And so we're going to read Ruth 2.1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, which she just read. And Ruth of Moab said to Naomi, Now let me go into the field and glean the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went. And she came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now what they did in the day, it was a law in Israel for the gleaning. So they would go and harvest the fields only once. They're only allowed to go over it once. And so anything that was left, any grain that was left, was deliberately left there for widows and immigrants and the poor. So they weren't allowed to go back and get it. So God had um, incredible provision um, for the destitute and the hungry. Isn't God beautiful? Hallelujah. And she just so happened to come upon the part of the field of Boaz, who was the um, kindred of Elimelech. See, there you go, missed it. (laughs) Hallelujah. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, um, he he said, um, Jehovah bless you. And Boaz said to his servants who were set over the reapers, whose girl is this? God knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you've come from. He knows, it's, he knows everything about you. Every hair on your head, he knows. He knows your life from beginning to the end. He knows every, everything about you, every thought. And his thoughts towards you are good. It says even more than all the sands on every seashore, his thoughts towards us are good. Wow. Wow. Just go and sit on the beach and just let that sailor soak in for a bit. He's amazing. And so Boaz says to Ruth, um, do not go and glean in another field. Neither go away from here, but stay close to my maidens. And let your eyes be on the field that they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men that they shall not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. And so, you know, when we come into the kingdom of heaven, we come into protection. We come into a defender of the weak. We come into provision. These are rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's so kind. And she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said to him, Why have I found grace in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? You know, and... Um, and he says to her, this beautiful, um, this is just so beautiful. It has been fully shown to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and that you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and you've come to a people who you did not know before now. 
May God repay your work and may a full reward be given you from God, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to trust. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and you have spoken kindly to your handmaiden. Look at that. Isn't that so beautiful? Like she's coming in like ashamed and she's a widow and she's got no future, no hope. Nothing is going right. But yet she claved to this covenant. She, she, she just put everything on the line and you begin to watch God just, just, just move and shift even in just everyday decisions and um, just the mundaneness of life. He's moving in your life. Even now he's weaving a story of restoration and redemption in your own life. Even like the, the, the gleaning, he is leaving bundles of blessing for you to find. The favor of God is upon you. He is leaving it for you purposely. He's going before you so that you've got provision. What an amazing, kind God. And I was sharing before, even when I was an enemy of God, even when I didn't know God, you know, there would be times where I'd be hungry or be crying out for something or I didn't have enough money to pay a bill and there would always be provision because it says that He's kind even to the unthankful and the evil. Every good gift is from God. And even, you know, I suffered in different ways with God, but I knew I, I can look back on my life and go, oh my goodness, that was you, that was you, that was you, that was you. Oh my goodness, right there, that was you. That, and you can begin to pinpoint the kindness and the love of God and the redemption over your life and the restoration over your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you might be at the start of the story like Ruth and you may feel like your circumstances in here that you don't have any hope. I'm telling you, if you would cleave to Jesus and you would covenant with Him, I tell you, you will have a story of hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, He's beautiful. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls on purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out that which she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Oh, he's so beautiful. Man, he's beautiful. I get so, just been so rocked this week by the beauty of Jesus by His redemption and His mercy over, written over each one of our lives. Wow. When you just stop and you begin to think about that, you, you cannot help but just be completely overwhelmed at the grace of God. Wow. Man, He's amazing. He's amazing. And so I love this next part. Naomi instructs Ruth at harvest time. So the thing is, she, you know, um, th this, is a, this is a law in Israel about the kinsman redeemer. And so Naomi knows that Boaz is their closest relative. And so the story goes on and, you know, um, Ruth could have gone and demanded her rights. They, she was well within her rights to do that and to go and say, well, you have to marry me because this is what it says here. But Naomi gave her a different way to go and lay down at his feet um, that he would put his covering over her. And so it's, it's a beautiful story. She didn't go with arrogance and pride, but she came in submission and humility. 
And that was her heart to say, will you cover me? Will you, will you marry me? So it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a lewd thing. It was a, it was a beautiful, um, you know, act on behalf of her. And the way that she approached him was just stunning. And, um, you know, Boaz was just so blown away. Like he said, you could have, you know, you could have picked any other guy. You could have picked, you know, from any of the other ones, but you haven't. And he knew that she was a faithful woman. It says earlier in the story, and he was a man of noble character and great generosity. You know, we look at Boaz. He, he was just so, what a, what a man of generosity to see a widow outside of the covenant, but yet have so much provision and so much love and so much kindness over this this girl he had no hope. Can you imagine the shame of back in the day of, of, of trying to carry that in, in a totally foreign land? Like when you begin to really unpack that and think about that in real terms, that, that would be so devastating. That would be so hard. You know, a woman working in the fields to, to, to provide. No husband, no future, no anything. And... Um, so she lays down um, by Boaz's feet and um, she, she asks him um, effectively by doing that to marry her um, because he's the nearest kinsman redeemer. And I love what he said. He says, um, he says to her, Blessed are you of the daughter, my king, for you've shown me more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Right, so he wants to redeem her, but there's one closer. It has to be the closest relative. And so Boaz sets up a meeting with this, with this other guy. And so when, when they redeemed back in the day, they had to redeem everything. So it wasn't just land. They didn't just get an inheritance of land, but they had to marry the widow. And so he brings the elders back and, um, and he's talking to this guy. And he said, um, you know, on the day you buy, oh, he's, yeah, so he talks about... Um, what, you know, what he needs to do with the land. Praise you, Jesus. And he says, yes, I'll redeem it. And I love Boaz. So he's like excited that he gets all this land and all, you know, all these inheritance. But he says, but you also have to buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead throughout all the inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. Can you imagine the shame, though? That, you know, they had to do this, but he was choosing to, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to be part of this. Can you imagine that as a young widow? Thank goodness for Jesus. Thank goodness for Jesus. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot um, redeem it. And so it was done. They took off the sandal. That's how they did it. And, and they handed it to them. That was as good as a covenant. And so Boaz ends up buying um, everything. So all the land, he, you know, he ends up marrying Ruth. Um, and it, it's just an incredible story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, whew.
Hallelujah. So this story starts with tragedy. Starts with hardship. And it ends with um, Boaz and Ruth. They get married. He redeems her. He marries her. And they have a son named Obed. He ends up being the father of Jesse and down the line, uh, father of King David, which means that Ruth is written now into the lineage of Jesus. Oh. Woo! You know, and as I read through this, I begin to realize in the story where the Ruth and Jesus is the Moab, he's the Boaz. That every one of our lives starts outside of the covenant with God. We all might have started differently, but he gives each one of us an opportunity to come into covenant with him because of the blood on the cross. Because he shed his blood for us. There's no one that's too far gone. There's no one that's outside of the covenant of God that can't come in. He gives everybody a level playing field. So it doesn't matter where you are in your life at the moment. If you feel like you're that Ruth and you've just, there's every circumstance against you. God would say, come. Come and cleave to him. Come and cleave to covenant. Ruth was outside of covenant. She was desperate. She was destitute. She was a widow. She's working in the field so she doesn't starve. Yet Ruth chose covenant over false comfort. She chose devotion, loyal and faithful and honor, and she clave unto Naomi. And so even though this story starts off bad, the story ends up with joy and birth and redemption for all their lives. Ah, hallelujah. Ruth the Moabitess ends up being written into his story. History. She was the great-grandmother of King David, according to Matthew 1, 5, and 6. Oh, Jesus, praise you, God. If I can just get a musician up. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Can you begin to see your life woven into this story? Oh. <laughs> And the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God. Maybe you're like Naomi and you've moved out away from God into the land of idols and false gods and lost everything. But she set her heart to come home. She set her heart. She set her heart to go back to her homeland. Maybe that's you today. It's not too late. It's not too late. God's extending out his hand for you today. I look at Ruth and I see the tapestry of my own life. 14 years ago, I came into the kingdom, a single mom, beaten up, alcoholic, depressed, messed up, on all sorts of medication, full on anxiety attacks, no hope, no future, nothing. And yet I met Jesus. My kinsman redeemer. Your kinsman redeemer. And I fell in love with him. And I'm still in love with him. 
and I clave to Him and I say, God, I give you every day of my life. God, I don't care what it looks like, God. I'm giving you every day. Every day that you grace me on this earth belongs to you. Every day. I don't care how hard it gets. And I've been tested and I've been tried in that and I've walked through some hellish situations even though I walked through the valley in the shadow of death. Even there, His rod and His staff will comfort me. Even there, even in those places, even in the hardest of places, I refuse to let you go, God. I refuse to let Him go. Treat me not to leave Thee, God. Don't let me leave You. That was my heart's cry. It is still my heart's cry. God, don't ever let me leave you. And that's got to be our heart's cry with our covenant with God. That's got to be our covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just kept walking with Him. And I found the pearl of great price. And I left everything. I left my friends. My family deserted me for a season because they didn't like Jesus too much. And I was full of God telling them about how wonderful this Jesus is. And I lost everything, but I didn't care. I'm like, I found what I'm looking for. I found the pearl of great price. And I gave up everything to have Him. And I still do. I get laid my life down to have Him, to know Him, to be known of Him. And He has weaved this story in my own life from a single mom to a kinsman redeemer, my beautiful husband, Daniel, to come and to take, you know, that shame and just to, to be married and to have my family now, a whole generation weaved into His story, also in the lineage of Jesus. Oh, oh come on. We're the Ruths in the story. Jesus is the Boaz. Jesus is the Boaz. Wow. We get to be woven into His story. Every one of our life here. His story for you is redemption. His story for you is restoration. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. God's going before you and He's moving and He's shifting and He's changing things in your circumstances. He's removing the destitute. He's removing the pain and the shame. He's removing all that stuff and He's just saying, come, just come, just come. Jesus, Jesus. And the more that you love God, the more that you fall in love with Him, the more He reveals of Himself. You, you can't, I can't even fathom the love of God. Even 14 years in, I cannot fathom His goodness. He is far above anything I ever thought possible. He is far beyond. I never thought I could have a life like this. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't even know that I could have a life like this with Jesus. I didn't know I could wake up with hope in my heart again. I didn't know I didn't have to wake up crying, just wishing that I would die. I didn't know. The love of God. The love of God. That was crucified for us 
that his face was marred beyond any man, that he shed his blood for every single person, that we could come into a right relationship with him, that there's no one outside the covenant, you haven't done too much wrong that you can't come. The fact that He died on the cross proves that He loves you. It proves that you're valuable. It proves that you're worth it. He's already paid your price. He didn't pay just for covenant. He prayed prayed for, um, He paid for relationship, for intimacy, for friendship. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And, you know, I really felt this week that there were just people that, you know, just needed to, to renew their vows to God. You know, that somehow away on the journey that we can get bitter at God and we can get disappointed and maybe even in people, we can become cynical and hard-hearted. But God's really calling people to to come back just to Him, to humble ourselves, to lay ourselves prostrate before the King and just to let Him move in our hearts again. To let Him come and soften our hearts again. To let Holy Spirit have His way. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. We were unable to rescue ourselves. We were unable to rescue ourselves. There's nothing that can pay for the price of us. There's nothing that can atone for our sin, not a thing on earth. You could could stack up all the riches of this earth and put it before God, but nothing can pay. It had to be paid by blood. And Jesus willingly, because of the joy set before Him, because of the joy of your face, because of the joy that He knew He could have a relationship with you, shed His blood at the cross of Calvary. Paying for us, because there's nothing that we had that we could pay with. She requested the kinsman redeemer that He'd come and cover her with His protection, redeem her and make her His wife. In the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ brought us for Himself out of the curse out of the destitution, out of the desolation. And He made us His own beloved bride and blessed us for all generations. He is our true kinsman redeemer of all who call on Him in faith. And so what I wanna do is I, um, if I can just get someone to bring the communion tables out, I just really felt like we need to renew our vows to God. Where we're not half-hearted, where we're not like, well, if it costs me something and when it comes down to the wire, I'm not really going to follow Him. But it's a real call back to covenant. It's a real call that, God, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever it costs me, God, I'll pay it. Hallelujah. Oh, it's so good to just get rocked in His presence, man. Whoo! Just be real and raw with God. Just be real and raw with Him. He loves it.
Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or other resources and information, you can check out our website at firechurch.com.au. Thank you.